Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. Happy morning. Good morning. What a week. What a weekend. We're going to have a good uh, we're going to have a good day today. Hope you guys came ready to kind of hear uh, God's word and uh, man worship was so good. Thanks worship team. That was fire. Um, but uh, yeah, so we're going to cut we're landing. We've been uh, since the beginning of the year. We've been walking through 2 Corinthians. We've been kind of chunking it up. Well, Today, we're going to wrap up this book in 2 Corinthians. So uh, if you have a Bible, open it up to 2 Corinthians 10. We'll, we'll be starting there. Uh, but just a little small review. This is a letter written by Paul. It was carried to the city of Corinth, which is kind of southern Turkey, by a guy named Titus. He was Paul's disciple, and he's bringing this letter to these people. Uh, one of the issues in the church in Corinth was a group of what was known as Judaizers. These were, these were Christians who were Jewish in heritage or Hebrew in heritage. And uh, they thought because of what Jesus the Messiah had done that it was a call back to fulfill the, the law. So the, the lifestyle of a Judaizer was to continue to obey the 613 laws of the Old Testament uh, with the understanding that now that we have the Holy Spirit, we can finally obey these 613 laws, right? So they, so as Paul was going through kind of planting these churches, preaching the gospel, these little group of believers, they followed Jesus, but they had kind of the twisted understanding of, of the law and what Jesus came to do, and a new eternal covenant that's unconditional, unlike the conditional covenant of the Old Testament. And, uh, and so it, Paul, it infuriated Paul. You can read throughout all, a lot of his letters, these Judaizers are following him around and twisting his teaching. Because you think you didn't have email, or you, didn't have his, you didn't, weren't able to communicate as much. So you go, you go preach a message in a city, you thought, man, they received it, they're super healthy, and then a year and a half later, you realize, you get word, man, these guys are all jacked up now. They started following some of these other influencers that was kind of moving them away from the plumb line of the gospel of Jesus. And uh, so, so that a lot in this letter is to defend Paul's apostleship, that, that his gospel, hey man, I'm, I've met with the real apostles and I'm an apostle too. Man, our message isn't different. Okay, so he's kind of coming, defending his apostleship. You read throughout the letter. So anyway, he covers themes, celebrating that the Lord has removed the veil over the eyes and hearts about what Christ has done. Talked about being a new creation. Talked about being a generous people. And now we kind of land to the end of Paul's letter and what's he, what he wants to communicate to these people. And so we're going to start in 2 Corinthians 10. Uh, he, he lands this pretty powerful with some strong words, and uh, this is a great verse. Uh, if, you're, if you're new to walking with the Lord, a great way to kind of get God's Word in your heart is to memorize it. Remember school? 
Anyway, uh, you know, part of memorizing it is just getting it in heart. Great, great verse to memorize here. Okay, 2 Corinthians 10. Did we pray? Oh, man, we're just diving in. Let's pray before we dive in. Lord God, thank you so much for the amazing, eternal, powerful Word of God. Lord, we pray that we would honor you as we read your Word and as our hearts are opened up for you to speak to us. Lord God, we're here to hear from you. God, we want to be carriers of your heart. We want to be walkers in your truth. God, we want to be followers of your Son, Jesus. So Lord, instruct us and teach us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Man, powerful words. Paul is trying to delineate in between kingdom living and fleshly, worldly living that everyone else is kind of used to. And he's using it as a teaching moment here as they've kind of given place to these kind of false teachers. Paul says, no, 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 we wage war with these ideas in a whole different way than the world does. Uh, We just had a whole series at the end of last year. We talked about the weapons that God has supernaturally given us, divine weapons, the word, prayer, forgiveness, repentance, discernment. But the carnal weapons, carnal weapons of this world that Paul is renouncing, is fighting, and, and that he's fighting against were manipulation and deception. Manipulation and deception is how the world fights. And Paul says, no, 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 it's God's people. We cannot function in that way. Uh, And and so some of these so-called leaders were influencing the church. Instead of truth, they fought with manipulation. Instead of righteousness, they they fought with the image of success. So these these Judaizers, uh, you know, the image of success, they were kind of bowing into. Uh, Instead of confronting sin, they fought with smooth words. That's how the world fights, right? Your passive-aggressive comments... Smooth words. Oh, bless his heart. You know, when it's like, man, everything behind that sentence is packed, right? Bless his heart, man. That's it. Um, instead of faith, they fought with the perception of power. Instead of serving others, they lord it over with their authority. Instead of the sword of the spirit, they fought with human schemes and programs. And you can kind of see this bleed through God's church often. And so Paul is trying to say, guys, get your radar up, get your discernment up, because God's people and God's kingdom functions with a whole different culture and a whole different weapon set than the manipulation and the deception that the world uses. So Paul says we don't wage war as humans do. We With these mighty weapons that God's given us, with His Word, with prayer, with forgiveness, repentance, man, that is what knocks down the enemy's strongholds. That's what knocks down the enemy's strongholds in your own life, in your life of your family, in the life in your home, the culture in your home, 
How do you wage war? It's God's word, it's prayer, repentance, forgiveness, discernment. What's going on? Where are we getting attacked? The carnal human way is to overpower, to dominate, to manipulate, and outmaneuver. The spiritual Jesus way is to humble ourselves, to die to ourselves, and to let God show his resurrection power through us. And so our spiritual weapons may be scorned by the world, but they're feared by demonic powers. And this is the fight that every son and daughter, you and I, get to have the privilege of being a part. It's a good, it's a good and righteous fight against the enemy, against principalities and powers and against our own fight with our own broken, evil flesh, rebellious, prideful flesh. So Paul's describing a battle against these ideas, thoughts, arguments, fortresses made of satanic lies. People are basically victims of their own ideas, trapped and imprisoned by false doctrines, false ideas, and evil systems of thought. The point of the warfare is to liberate people from those fortresses. A stronghold is a well-built wall around a city. And so as God's word and, and God's truth, and as those kind of hit us, those strongholds, those, those convictions that we were so sure of in our previous life, man, God's word comes in and boom, it tears down those walls. Anyway, keeps going. He speaks to these Corinthians. Verse 11, 4 says, or 3, it says, But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted, just as Eve was corrupted by the cunning ways of the serpent. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. See, the battle within this church in Corinth was a battle in between the liberty and freedom in Christ and then being pulled back into kind of the, the dominion of the law, that the law is all the way. We're, we're going we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna to orient all of our devotional, religious, everything life into adhering to the 613 laws of the Old Testament. And so this is the battle for the church of Corinth, legalism, legalism. There's been moments throughout kind of church history where legalism creeps into the church and it tries to steal and twist and distort uh, God's liberty and freedom that he came to give humanity. And, and so and, and this time it was, where's that spectrum? There we go, law all the way, law all the way. And so here's this kind of fight. This was what was going on with the church in Corinth. The Judaizers, they're strongly teaching that they have to bind themselves back to God's conditional covenant. And these people were swayed. They're starting to move over this direction. They're being swayed. Hey, these guys are eloquent speakers. They're pretty convincing. They're kind of influential. Man, the guy's good looking or the gal's good looking. Hey, you know, just... Anything that can kind of blind our eyes to sway us. And Paul is saying, hey, hey, guys, wake up. Now, how about, how about our battle? 
in our generation. You know, at every generation, there's always things coming at the gospel, coming at the church to, to twist the scripture, to change God's word, to, to malign it, to doubt it. And uh, that's expected every generation. We shouldn't be surprised that the world would question God's eternal, living, life-giving word. Shouldn't shock us. But our fight is not necessarily legalism. That the law that we're calling people to kind of adhere to the dogma of the church. No, no, no. Our fight kind of actually comes from the way other side. Instead of bowing fully to the law, our fight now, and within the church. Now, I'm just not talking about the world. All right, so my audience is within the church. The context, Paul, is dealing with uh, false doctrine within the church, okay? So that's our context. So within the church, it seems like our battle is not so much law all the way, but no law. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Kind of the ethos of the culture that now has kind of seeped its way through, through this window, the other spectrum of it, and is finding its way within the church and corrupting it, changing the gospel, changing God's word. Mm. So our, our battle's a little different. So what would, I mean, I'll just say progressive transgender ideology has firmly found its way into God's holy people, spanning every tradition and denomination. And this ideology, idolatry, oh, wow. This ideology seeks to neuter God's word by removing any sexual ethic or any, any firm boundary that God creates and establishes in his word is seek to be torn down. Now, before we kind of get into this, I do want to say tremendous difference in between a transgender person or a transgender person lover and transgender ideology. Huge difference handled completely differently. One is a set of ideas that's evolved over hundreds of years, and the other is a human being made in the image of God that has been swept up in this ideology and most likely have little notion as to where it comes from or where the ideas originate. The roots of gender and queer theory, I would say, are demonic are demonic, intellectually spawned by godless, atheistic, sexually deviant sociopaths. Now, you could kind of argue well, that's debatable. That's a kind of a harsh you know, statement. But when you kind of read their readings, it's kind of hard not to say that. Throughout their writings, their aim is to tear down God's divine order, as well as his sacred covenant of marriage and family, by which God... Healthy societies are always created. And the understanding of who we are and what we're here for. Freud said that only the weaklings have acquiesced in such a gross invasion of their sexual freedom. Meaning if you put morality on at all of your sexual lifestyle, you're a fool. That's Freud. Alfred Kinsey, another main mind in this field believe that sexual liberation would be the means of saving humans from the oppression of religion and morality. Or how about Michael Foucault, one of the founders of queer theory, the founder of queer theory, 
signed a petition in the French parliament calling for the decriminalization of all consensual sexual relations between adults and minors. And the age of consent at France at the time was 15. So the, he signed a petition petitioning that it should be removed completely. Founder of queer theory. The ideology hopes, as William Reich, one, another influential person in this field, that the ideology hopes that the future would be one without any superstitious morality holding us back from manifesting our greatest higher selves. It's man wanting to be God all over again. It's the same story. There's nothing new under the sun. It is mankind trying to redefine what mankind is. God's revealed will teaches us that God made us male and female to reflect His glory, to reflect who He is. This new form of Gnosticism divides what God has united. We're made to be whole, integrated people. Our body and mind and our soul are not to be divided and then pitted against one another. It's harming people. We all know it. God specifically designs and determines our body. I'll say this, everyone is called. So in this, in this area of sexuality, say this, everyone is called to choose holiness, whether attracted to the same sex or the opposite sex, whether married or single, your call by Jesus is to be holy, to be consecrated before him. He came to redeem you from your sin, rebellion, pride, and brokenness. And you cannot come to him unless you're willing to see it and give that up. Your sin, your pride, your rebellion. And we've acquiesced as a body. Not wanting to cause a fight, not wanting to hurt people's feelings. And now because the church has been so silent, our culture is literally mutilating our children, thinking that that's okay. Lord, help us. But Paul says this, verse 14, he says, But I'm not surprised even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves, what? As godly ministers. In the end, they'll get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. Wow, even Satan. Yes, Satan twists God's eternal word, continuing to steal, kill, and destroy God's image bearers from ever getting to be, to ever know the fact that what Jesus came to do to redeem them and set them free and make them whole. So how can we discern which is the light of God and which is kind of the light of Satan? Our minds and our hearts were easily confused by this, by these conflicting messages. So how can we make sure we're on the right path? Well, hey, God's Word has something to say about it, right? Psalm 119, 105 says, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now think about that. Put yourself, if you were to kind of put yourself in the context of the writer of that Scripture, Where'd that come from? I, I could imagine 
just kind of reading between the lines, but I could imagine it came from a shepherd or a person like in the middle of darkness with a lantern or a candle. And all he could see is the next two or three steps. You're a light unto my feet, a lamp unto my path. And unfortunately, even though we want to see on the beyond horizon, a lot of times the Lord leads us by the light of his word a step at a time, a step or two at a time to keep us dependent on him. God, I don't have the bandwidth or the understanding or the mental acuity to kind of understand all that's going on in the future. But God, one thing I can cling to, I'm clinging to the light of your word because it's going to light my day up because you're going to guide me, you're going to lead me. How else? Psalm 119, 130 says, The unfolding of your words give light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Amen. How many feel simple, huh? Come on. We feel simple sometimes like, man, we are overwhelmed. But if you want to resolve that tension, it's turning to God's word to say, God, in your hands you hold all things. The words of God have power just as God's voice spoke physical light into existence. It can speak spiritual light into our lives. Exposure to His voice, exposure to His Word. It'll help us recognize the difference between the good light of God and the twisted counterfeit from the enemy. Paul said this to his prime disciple, Timothy. He says, keep close watch on how you live and on your doctrine or your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Watch out. Watch out. Be diligent over your own heart. Be diligent over your mind. Watch out over your faith and your doctrine, which is what's your doctrine? That sounds like, man, that's an old white term. But it's like it's being, are you grounded in truth? Are you grounded in truth? Watch out. Watch your, watch your foundation. Make sure that it's God's pure word and not kind of your opinions or you're kind of kind of becoming God of your own reality because that's what we're kind of getting convinced to do every day. This is a place where we can learn God's ways, God's people. We all come in kind of like, ah, I don't agree with that. Yeah, we all have these kind of things that we kind of come in uh, from the world with, but, but stick around. Start asking real questions. Start not, not giving in to false peace and saying, well, you know, I uh, probably shouldn't say anything. It'll probably, you know, throw off. No, no, no. Ask the questions. God's people is a place where we, learn, we love truth. We're not afraid of hard questions because we're, we're, our hearts are here. Man, we're going to pursue truth. Let's talk about it. Hey, I got some questions. Man, this is a great place. Let's, let's, let's dialogue. Let's look at God's word. Let's think this through. So, that's an issue, hitting the church, right? But there's one other issue. Before I kind of let you go, uh, there's one other issue that I think is kind of affecting the church, but not in any kind of like theological way yet. Um, But it kind of sneaks in under the radar, I think, for us. Um, and that's kind of our relationship with technology. Um, numerous theological issues that pertain to tech and the sovereignty of 
God's image-bearing creation. Um, so they're worthwhile conversations, should be having them. But that's not what I, what I get, want to get in today. I, I did want to highlight something to us as God's people I think we need to be sensitive to and watch over. Okay, so sensitive to and watch over. To illustrate this, a guy named Dino Ambrosi, a, a Berkeley grad who works with certain teens and tech initiatives, he compiled this study. Okay, so check this out. All right, so slide one. Here we go. This is, the dots on this screen represent an adult life in months, assuming a life expectancy of 90. Okay, so taking an 18-year-old right now, this is an optimistic estimate of the months that you'd have left. I mean, just look at that. I mean, if you're older than 18, it's like, man, I got fewer dots than that. Man, I'm running low on dots. Anyway, so, okay, so that's the time you got left on average, right? So, now take about a third of that time, a third of that time, what you do? Sleep. All right, so we got sleep, and then on average, you got 126 of those months, you go to school, work, and career, all right? So, you've got, wow, that took up a lot, right? Sleep, work, and school, okay? All right, now you're moving. All right, well, what about you spend 18 months driving, 36 cooking and eating. All right. Spending a lot more sleeping than eating. What do you think about most? Eating. Anyway, um, how about 36 months of doing chores and errands? 27 months in the bathroom and personal hygiene. Some of you are spending less. No, I'm just kidding. Um, just kidding. Okay, so that leaves you with 337 months. All right, there's, and that's your free time. 334 months, optimistically, for everything else. Things on your bucket list, your travel, places you want to go, uh, things that you, that you have in your heart that pursue meaning that bring meaning to your life, where you're going to make an impact is in these months. Being an influence, influencing others, loving others. How you spend this time will determine really the quality of your life. What do I want to do with my free time? What things do you want to do that you haven't done? It's in those 334 months. Okay? Now, I'd be willing to bet that scrolling through your phone and binge-watching the latest, greatest show or playing the neatest video game maybe is not the top part on your bucket list, but today, the average 18-year-old in the United States is now on pace to spend... 93%. Boom. We got it? 93% behind the screen. 25 years worth. So, what you now have left for the average 18-year-old are those months to actually do anything 
other than what else is on the program. Do you see how sneaky tech is to actually literally steal, kill, and destroy your life? It's not as innocent as we pretend it is. We are entertaining ourselves to death as God's people, right? Now, this is a, you know, so this is a way that we get a lot of, a lot of your, you know, news, your interactions, your friendships. But just so you know that this is kind of like, a, it's like a huge magnet. And if you don't resist, it just kind of, you just start gravitating to this time suck. We all know it causes depression, anxiety, but we are literally training ourselves to become chronically distracted. We have a 15, for 18-year-olds have, on average, 15-second attention spans. Why? Because the feed is 15 seconds. It's stealing our time away from the Lord, communing with Him. It's stealing time away from getting His Word into our soul. It's stealing time away from our marriages instead of maybe dealing with harder relational content within your relationship it's no let's just we're kind of be checked out let's just watch a show and move on stealing time away from our children and their development and discipling them and investing in them and growing your heart connection with them and building memories as a family it's stealing time and our ability to even establish navigate meaningful relationships it's stealing time away from being a disciple of jesus serving others and helping make other disciples. That's what you and I are here to do. It's what Jesus commissioned us to do. It's what we have authority for. But we've just got to have our free time. Sneaky. Sneaky, church. Come on. I'll close out with this. Paul says this. After all, you think you are so wise, but you enjoy putting up with fools. You put up with it when someone enslaves you, takes everything you have, takes advantage of you, takes control of everything, and slaps you in the face. Stop being treated that way, people of God. Amen? We tend to be bullied internally by these things because we care. We care about people, We're, but we tend to be bullied. And God's saying, stop being bullied, my people, but stand in truth and walk in the tenderness of my spirit. Amen? The time we're in, it's time to take thoughts captive. It's time to live in God's truth with Him at our right side. Let's pray. Holy God, Lord, we thank You that You've made us Your sons and daughters and empowered us by Your Spirit to fight this fight. Lord, when we were in the kingdom of darkness, we were clueless. We were, uh, Lord, we were run around by the world. But Father, Lord, if your spirit is alive in us and you've made us a new creation, Lord, I pray that you would put a bold spirit inside of us, knowing that we carry your authority. God, we carry your word. Lord, may us, let us be a true conduit of your true gospel. Father, may we not seek to twist your ways, twist your word for our own ends. But God, may we yield and submit to your almighty way. It's a beautiful way. 
It's flourishing. It's for life. Jesus came to bring abundant life. And Father, that's what we experience in your new creation. So, Father, we thank you. Lord, I just pray that, Lord, you would keep us with wits, that you would, uh, Lord, help us keep our wits about us, Lord, about the schemes of the enemy. Lord, not only theological battles that we have uh, at our doorstep, but, God, even just the ways of the world, that, God, we would, as God's people, be intentional, your people, that we would be intentionally set apart, Lord, so that we can offer what the world doesn't have, which is your life, which is your true gospel. So, Lord, I pray that, Lord, you'd send us out with your authority, with your grace. Lord, let us be carriers of your truth. Give us boldness. And, God, when we feel bullied, Lord, I just pray that we would just lean right into you to say, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? Father, we pray that, Lord, in this coming season, God, that you would be our navigator. You would be our captain leading us forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. With that, have a great Sunday. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org, and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.